Let's go. Hey, welcome to Bloop Bloop Bloop. Welcome to Bloop Bloop Bloop. Today I'm very happy because uh, we've uh, brought up a friend of mine that I've known for almost 10 years, right? Uh, we assume. Yeah, probably because around you 10 years. In a while. So this is my friend and my producer, Jordi Guzman. Welcome. Thank hey. you. Hey. Cue okay. claps. Cue claps? Yeah, we'll cue the cue <laughs> claps. Okay, so can you introduce yourself? Let's start from the very, very beginning and go. All right, not in the spot at all. Okay, my name is Jordi. I'm from the Dominican Republic. I am a bass player, music producer, based mainly in Hong Kong, although, you know, I also tour, so I'm in and out of Hong Kong all the time. And um, I don't know, what else? So it's good to know your about family's me. from Dominican Republic. Yeah. But y I know you have a very interesting history because your mom's profession brought you out to Hong Kong at a very young age. Yes. So yes. how old were you when you first came here? I came to Hong Kong. I was probably 18. And you've been here ever since? I've been here ever since. So how many years have you been in Hong Kong? Do the math. 30. I'm really bad at <laughs> I'm 35. <laughs> okay, I'm 35. Okay. And I've been here 17 years. Half your life, pretty much. 17 years? No, hold on. No, no, no. I've been here. No, no, no. So I came here a little older. Uh, Let's say 16 years. 16 years you've been okay. in Hong Kong. Yeah, there you go. So when you came, you came here and you, you came to school here or? No, no. I was actually, I was, this is the craziest thing. I was in Dominican Republic. I was studying law. I, I wanted to be a lawyer. That was my thing. That's what <laughs> I wanted to do. You were good. You were already in law school. I was already in law school. I was in my second year. And uh, my mother, she, she was the ambassador, the consul of Dominican Republic here in Hong Kong. Yeah. Wow, right? Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the main reason why we came here. And I, you know, she said, you know, like we were, we're going there and I was, you know, I already had my job there. I was studying law. I was in university. I told her, listen, I, I, I'll go, but I'll stay with you a month. Oh my God. It's been 16 years. <laughs> she went back. She's, she's already back home. Wait, how long did she stay here? She stayed for a year. Then she left. And then after a while she came back. And then she Looking left for again. the work. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I see. So I basically came here first to work with the Dominican consulate in Hong Kong. Oh wow! That was my main, my main mm. thing. Here. What was the first? What was the job that you? What did you have to do for the? What do you have to do for a consulate? Uh, office stuff. Uh. I mean, me personally. My mom, obviously, you know, she was the consul, so she was, she was the boss. So what do they do? Like, do they talk about? They. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Well, they deal with with all the, the. It was basically, I mean, during that time, it was, they had to deal with all the Chinese relations with Dominican Republic. Now, believe it or uh, not, there are a lot of Chinese people in Dominican. So oh, when I, you I were, surprised with that. When you were growing up yeah. in Dominican Republic, when you were a little boy, you, were, you were already had Chinese friends or you saw Chinese people? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's the craziest thing because they, like you, they are Chinese, but they speak Dominican. What's oh, the Spanish. Wait. They're locals. They spoke basically. Dominican. Okay, what is exactly. the difference? the difference in Dominican and Spanish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's supposed to be the same language, but we Dominicans we we destroy the language. I guess it's just like it's just like how Canadians <laughs> speak French and how French people speak French. It's this a little bit different. This yes. <laughs> but okay, yours okay. are maybe more than we just a little. We cut bit. words. Uh, we cut s's. We have 
different words for different things and it, it like we just we make a, a whole language la it's almost a dialect mm. which is crazy because like if you go to dominican and you say um i'm gonna learn some spanish before i go to dominican and then most of the time the spanish that you will learn is gonna be spanish from spain and then once you get to dominican then it's these guys usable. come here and mm out of left field with a different kind of so, Spanish you're not going to get anything. So you you can so you can speak Dominican and Spanish, right? And it's like pretty much two different it's languages. The, uh, yeah, it's the same language. Like but, you wouldn't say Dominican. But but you couldn't speak Dominican that dialect with like someone from No, I would have to clean it up. Ah. Uh, I but you can't. But you up. know the difference. Yes, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. and you can uh, you manage to do it. Too. It would be a basically I would have to pronounce my s's. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. okay. And say okay. words that I know you would understand. Okay. But so, it's basically like that. Mm. So, but okay. So how you said you were in <laughs> law school? How did you? But I know you like music, right? Because you you yeah. told me a really interesting story. Can you tell me about your story as a young kid okay. playing music? And this okay, how did you start? music where does that okay. story begin i was at my friend's house and i must have been 13 or 12 and we were sitting now we were watching mtv and there was a green day video and uh my friend said you want to make a band i was like sure let's make a band sure what can you play i don't know how to play anything <laughs> what can you play i don't know anything all right so we don't know how to play anything it was you know it was just three of us um, one of them goes, I want to play the drums. The other one says, I want to play the guitar and sing. Jordy, what do you want to play? I was like, well, you took all the cool things. <laughs> um, uh, I'll take the other guitar. And then it was like that for a while, right? So they, 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 they said, you know, let's each try to find a way of learning and then we're going to make a band. So, you know, one of them went to church because, you know, they had like a guitar lesson kind of course, whatever. The drummer went on his own. Then I was like, all right, I'll, I'll learn on my own, whatever. And basically, I was going to play guitar because that was the cool thing. And then one day, you know, they, they had like an intervention. They said, all right, Jordy, we did some research and we figure out that there's this thing called bass. And you're going to play did that. Some research. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> and I was like, bass, what is that? I was like, well, it's like the guitar, but you only have four strings. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I've never seen girls going crazy about the, the bass players. So I, di I, didn't, I, I didn't feel excited about it. <sighs> they gave me an ultimatum. They said, like, if you, this is what you want. If you want to be in the band, this is how you're going to be in the band. Right? So um, that's, I basically fell into bass by chance. And that's, that's, how, that's how I did it. And then you guys were, you guys were doing Green Day songs, right? Well, no, that, that's how we started. You know, we started doing... I mean, this is resuming a lot because we didn't know how to play anything, right? Yeah. So we would literally just, we didn't learn how to play music. We learned how to play that song. Yeah. And then we started doing stuff like that. Like the first song that we played was uh, Song 2 by Blur. Yeah. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually my first song when I learned first song playing drums. It's Shit. a good yeah. song. It's a good, it's a good song. song. It's a good first song. It's a great first song. <laughs> how, many, how many people in the world that was their first song? Yeah, probably everyone. Which is ironic because the name of the song is Song 2. <laughs> Right. <laughs> should be called. They should change <laughs> that, right? They should change the song one. And um, okay, so basically, you know, we started playing, and uh, the band went through a lot of changes. Different members came and went. 
But um, you were always on bass. It was always, I mean, that core of three, those three guys ah, were always there. Was, were always then we there. started adding like another guitar, then we added a percussionist, then we added this, and then we started doing things. And we decided to record. Oh, uh, record? You we did. Okay, how did you guys record? Uh, we went to an actual studio that we, that a band that we knew that uh. was really famous from there. Um, they recorded in that place. We went there. We recorded some songs. And it's the craziest thing because these songs actually became popular, you know, and, and, and then but suddenly we were yeah, touring you in Dominican you, I remember, Could you explain a little bit more? Because you said that your band got signed, right? And you guys were like kind of famous? Yeah, we didn't get signed, but, but we started getting uh, radio time. Because we recorded these songs, we went to this studio, then we wanted to mix it at another fancier studio. But the, but the kind of mixing that they were doing was more for Latin music. Ah. And it didn't, it, whatever we were doing, it didn't ex sound exactly like the bands that we like sounded like. And then that's when I, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And that, that's when I started, you know, that's when I did my jump into producing and, and, and music like yeah. sound engineering so where did that come from where did you were like okay now i'm going to start producing like what was in you that we we're like out I of necessity because uh. we would tell the sound engineer like that doesn't sound good and he would get offended because he's a, he was a famous sound engineer mm -hmm. during that time but he was a famous sound engineer for that kind of music i see I he didn't see. deal with our kind of music which is okay so, you know, he mixed the stuff, but then at the end, you know, I was like, I'm, I'll, I'll do it myself at home. And I'm pretty sure, like, if I, if I listen to that recording now, I would cringe. <laughs> but it definitely sound, sounded better than that. And mm. then, you know, eventually we mastered it and we started playing these songs in the radio. People started requesting the songs. Remember one of my most exciting days in my life was one day that we were listening to the radio. They played the song. And then at the end, the radio guy said, uh well this is the name of the song whatever by this band artist of the month and i was like oh my god we're what? artists of the month how old are you then how, how long does it take because like all i hear is like you you know nothing <laughs> you listen to songs and you'll just learn yourself <laughs> somehow and then you start writing songs and become a hit it, it, this is, it, it has to be you're cutting it short it has to be it, at least a few years it there, was right? many years <laughs> many years i mean so do you have 13 okay do you learn it from a teacher do you learn it from someone learning from church or someone because there's no youtube you there was no yourself, youtube right? then right you have to have someone to okay. give you some instructions okay my first instruction was because i told my my aunt that i wanted to play bass because everybody went on their like my three friends like us three we went into our own separate ways to learn mm -hmm. right so my my friend you know he went to church the other guy went to whatever and then me i just asked my aunt to buy me a bass okay i didn't know anything about it and she was amazing and she did get me a bass and that bass came with a vhs oh vhs yes a lot of people might not know what it is so we should <laughs> add something here just explain what vhs is yeah millennials vhs is a, okay so um so yeah so it came with a vhs that would like teach you basic stuff mm -hmm. like how to tune the bass it would teach you uh a little uh, riffs you know like if you want to play blues this is what you do if you want to mm -hmm. play rugged so that's how i that was the first time i touched the bass but my friend the guy that wanted to sing and play guitar one of the guys of the band he was so nice he was like okay so before you get a bass and this was before my aunt got it for me he grabbed like a piece of plywood uh -huh. and he put like some strings in it 
and he made frets. Ah. It didn't make any sound, but he goes, at least you'll learn Practice the notes. Uh, how do you like I see. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's, uh, that's how we started practicing until I got my bass and the whole thing. But yeah, it was many, many, many years, mm. many years and playing so shitty gigs. But then thing. it was still kind of like a hobby, right? Because you eventually you went to law school. Yes. So, so after you, you were, you were still, oh, we didn't make any money. It was, it was just like for the fun. The band was popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we would like, that's all we wanted. We, we didn't want to, I mean, like obviously you want to make money eventually, but that was not at all in the near future for us. You I know, see. What we wanted to was to, to get known. Um, there were some bands in Dominican Republic that we looked up to and mm -hmm. that's, we wanted to do that. I see. And, and, and it was beautiful. So when you were in law school, were you still like, was music still a part of like you wanted to make a career or something out of it or yeah, yeah I, I still did it uh. um uh you know I, I was part of probably different bands and i was part of a band of a tv show it was like the mm -hmm. band of the show like i was there so you know it's all these kind of things that you know give you the experience that you will need for later mm. that's really cool yeah yeah you never know like i always feel that too like when you're going through some things when you're young you never know like when you you're gonna use, yeah right you would you think it's so pointless but you're actually learning something and yeah. and, and you think you're ready but you're not right so like every any every point in your life you feel you're ready for the next step and sometimes no it's like, like either way i feel like <laughs> i'm never ready for anything <laughs> and then you i still kind of have to do it but but i get you because yeah. it's also true yeah but but you know if, if you're a musician you and you know you think I, I want to get to the next level of whatever of, mm -hmm. of of fame or being a musician or whatever you you think you're there like now why do i get this opportunity now but there's something in life that that holds you there because there's something else that you would learn later that will really propel you to the next level mm -hmm. and that's what happened then you know th there was still a lot of experience that i needed to gain yeah and a lot of ex you know so was that one of the reasons why you decided to stay in hong kong because you told me when you came here that then you started you went to um sound engineering school yes, right? yes yes yeah it was i mean first of all i i wanted to i started playing music with with chris in hong kong in hong kong polanco? Chris, is chris polanco so okay okay so let's go on the time so you came here when you were like around 18 19. yeah was it like a summer break was it like oh god i'm gonna just gonna move over <laughs> yeah and then, yes and then it was at that time that you met chris polanco and you guys started playing Yes. Really? Because yeah. Chris used to work at the same office that I used to. When he came here, he was working at the consulate also, but not during that time. He of had already Dominican Republic? Republic? What does he do there? Yes. What? He was doing the same job that I did what? with the previous consul, right? So, so that's wow. when I met him. Right. So now for people that don't know, Chris Polanco <laughs> is... They probably know him. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Yeah. Okay. But if you don't, yeah. Chris Polanco is my absolute best, best friend. Um, he is a, an amazing artist, very well known in the, in the whole music industry here in Hong Kong, right? So we kind of have the same story because we were born in the same city. Really? We're born in the same country. Um, our families know each other. Um, oh my a lot God. of the things that I learned were through him and a lot of the things that I do now somehow in different ways had to do with with Chris Polanco. Me too, man. Me too. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so that... That guy too. <laughs> that guy too. There you go, there you go. So that's, you know, that's... Yeah. 
that's how I knew him. Yeah, that's how our stories kind of tie up. Right. Um, but um, yeah, so let's let's start from when you. So you guys, you came here when you were like 18. You met Chris. Yeah. And like you guys, like we're playing music. You yeah, yeah, we were playing music. I mean, I played bass, but I played bass again. You know, I, I was a rock bass player, right? So all the things that I needed to learn were definitely through Chris. So he was already gigging or a lot? It was already gigging. He, he, was, he, he was already, already had his, super he had, knowledgeable about... He was very knowledgeable. He had his band here. And why was he so knowledgeable about music at, um, that, at that age? Well, he he had a different background than I did. Um, his music career... I mean, his music knowledge came through church, which is amazing. Whether you believe in in, in, in church or, or, or not, then the actual music knowledge that you get from playing with these musicians is amazing. I didn't have that, mm. right? So I, there was no musicians in my family. So that thing for me was Chris. Mm. Like I learned all that with him. Yeah. And um, and yeah, that, that's what it was. Same, same for me. Like that's what I have probably should say now. Like when I first came back to Hong Kong, uh, those first like four years mm -hmm. like the peel fresco scene was just on fire yeah and like one of the main reasons was because every thursday there is this band called azuka latina <laughs> their band they played there and like we would go there and the best thing about that band was that it was it wasn't like normal jazz band like the audience and the performer there there's a barrier it's like you know you're never gonna go and jam with like uh, miles davis right yeah. But like their 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 whole rundown was like it was all one thing, so like if you if you knew them like you could find yourself on the stage like singing a song. Yeah, it was it was a party. It was a party, crazy party every Thursday. Yeah, and 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 like the craziest things like when I started eating gap band, we would go to like the band room and we would spend like five hours learning ten songs. Mm -hmm. Their band. They play like four hours, two <laughs> songs for like, I don't know how. Wait, 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 so I, one song is two hours long? Yes, that's what I'm trying to find out what? tonight. I want to know what you guys are doing, how you guys can make one song last for like three hours. I didn't know that we had that, that skill. That, that you, you don't know you guys. Maybe you feel that Latino songs are long. No, you guys, no, you guys do that. It's one song, but yeah. they just... It's yeah. like jazz almost. They go up, yeah. they go well, down. They well, that's something. Uh, there's, I mean, every time you would come and see this band, we would we would play different versions of the same song. Wait, every so time. I mean, not the same if night. It's three hours. So, it's like, is it like a, a little bit of improvisation right there? Or there's there's a, a lot, lot of improvisation, right? right? Which is something that helps a lot with your musicianship, mm. um, and that's something that was daunting for me because when at the beginning, you know. I would learn a song and that's the song. Yeah. Then when I started playing with Chris, then it was a completely different thing. Now we improvise a lot. Now you hear things and you just play it. Um, and it's kind of crazy because sometimes when you're starting or, or you're doing any sort of career, you, you go like, well, if somebody believed in me, right? And, and you, you have that thing inside of you, that's you that you go like, well, if somebody really, really 100% believed in me, I would do this. And sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes you need somebody to kind of believe in you, to give you that have an opportunity. And that's what happened with me with Chris. 
I mean, Chris had a bass player and the guy had to leave and I was the only guy there. I was probably not the best choice, you know, and I would be grateful to Chris forever in my life for giving me that opportunity, right? That said, I'm pretty sure he didn't believe in me a hundred percent. I was, just, I was the just guy there. You. He just right? needed you. He's like, oh, maybe his <laughs> normal <laughs> bass player. Bass 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 and I was like, well, I'm here. But then that's all you need. Sometimes you just yeah. need to somebody believe in you yeah. a little. And well, he did. That's what and I felt did. the greatest thing about playing music live in Hong Kong is because you, these, you know, like, it, maybe a anywhere else you have to like have your chops down before you're on any stage yeah. Yeah. but in hong kong you can be half ready and you you might get an opportunity mm -hmm. and then you can be on that stage but once you're there and and you can get one foot in yeah. you, you're going to learn so much faster and yes. and you, you will be on the course m much faster than maybe like somewhere in america where you probably have to spend 10 years at mm -hmm. home just practicing one song yeah so everything is a lot faster here and it's in and it's again these experiences they bring you to another level for me it was daunting the first time that i had to play with him right and and then it was something else was daunting something else was overwhelming oh whenever we had to learn a song for another artist and then this and that and then the the, the other daunting aspect was when i started touring with with cantopop artists that thing is daunting because <laughs> you have guys there that are snipers. Yeah. yeah. Guys that they studied in Berkeley. They, they yeah. did this in Juilliard or whatever. Yeah. These are the guys that you're playing with. I didn't have those opportunities, yeah. right? So everything that I had to learn was on my own, on the street or whatever. Yeah. And now I need to play with these guys and I have to make it feel good and yeah. all these things. So I might have felt that I was ready for that then but i was not i really had to go through all these phases before i got there oh let's let's talk about that later but so you you were gigging with chris yeah and where were you guys playing then back then Ooh, we did a lot of bars we did a lot of private events um uh we did go all over asia for but it was mostly private events mm. and uh you know like on saturdays we would play at a particular bar and that was the thing that i would, would go to every saturday then the peel fresco times mm. and then all these things i mean we still play together chris is on his own projects i'm on my own projects yeah. the other everybody else is in their own thing but we always come together and like that's never gonna go away and then at that time you were studying music engineering how did you you were how did you get into that okay i studied sound engineering because when i decided to stay in hong kong uh I was on my break from law school and I kind of noticed that you would make more money here as a musician than a lawyer in my country, <laughs> right? So that was one of the reasons that I stayed and I, mm. I met people and I loved it. Mm. Um, I lost my train of thought. What was, what was your question? So uh, you, you, music engineering, more money. Okay, music engineering, music. right. There you go. So, you know, because I was out of school, then I needed to find something else. And I, and I was like, well, if this is a clean slate for me, I might as well learn something that I love. You like to do. And I really like sound engineering. And then I started in Hong Kong, but it was through a through a university in the UK, Oxford. Okay. Uh, it was the Audio Master Class Institute. Hmm. And then that's what I did. And it was kind of like online, but semi-presential. I had to be there for mm -hmm. certain classes and stuff. And it was like that on and off. Uh, and it was amazing to get that degree, which is like music technology and sound engineering. Mm -hmm. But the actual experience that you get 
by working with people uh, like yeah. being out there it's you know invaluable ah, I I'm, see. I'm quite curious about the audience back then in Pure Fresco though Oh, like how are they like? Because like <laughs> how I, I drunk go, they were, you mean? Oh, <laughs> I go there now, but I feel like it, it can't be as fun as you, you guys now. I feel like it's it's a bit oh different. Oh my now. god. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that period in time. That was like um, 2011 to 2014. Probably. Gacy, Actually, probably one year, right? One or two years. Might have been longer than that. Two, three years. <clears throat> so like. Okay. Peel, Peel Street for me, like, um, I just graduated from college and I came back and there was a b- bar called Joyce is Not Here. Yeah. And it was run by Joyce. And uh, they used to have these little, like, open mic Tuesday thing, acoustic nights. And it was already starting to get a little crowd of people. And then, like, maybe a year later, they opened across the street Peel Fresco and they wanted to make a music jazz bar. And at first it was, you know, like before, like live music in Hong Kong was kind of, I don't, I want to say like, well, it still is kind of old schoolish. Like you have kind of older people, older, like very, very experienced jazz musicians Mm -hmm. and they play their set very professional. They come in, uh, three sets standard and, um, they play perfect. And, and it's kind of like, uh, the audience is very quiet. And then for some reason, Joyce hired <laughs> these guys <laughs> and like they're this Latin band and people are dancing and like and and like and Chris has like a drink that's his cup is like this big <laughs> he, every time he comes in he orders this drink and it's like I don't know what is in there like like co- like one one liter coca-cola tequila like three straws a flower like you put this here <laughs> and then and it would have like a weird color and then like, like a color that no drink have but if you mix them all together that would be the color like the crisp punch yeah <laughs> and their band is just super high energy hmm. um so like people would be dancing at old peel fresco like the smallest little bar like you walk in there's a stage there's an alley that walks to the back and that's it and th- there was this there. I mean, that place still there, but they renovated the place mm-hmm. and it's nicer. But there, there was a spirit. There was a ghost in that place. Something, a vibe. You can't explain it. And it's like if you go, if you try to figure out what it was, you can't pinpoint it because the bathroom stunk. <laughs> there was no space to dance. It was sweaty. Sometimes it was the air conditioner would not work. But that place was. Fun. It was amazing. Fun. Okay, we take a little break here. Thank Let's you. Let's do that. Yeah, those were the Peel Fresco days. So that's how I met Jordy. I met him during those couple years, and uh, I would see them once a week. Eventually, um, I got to know him well enough, like, and I started knowing that he was recording music, and um, I was under a uh, record company then, but I really wanted to do a song by myself. And then I needed to find someone that I felt like I could communicate with. Because um, maybe if I worked with a Hong Kong producer, we'd, we'd end up making a Chinese song or something. But I wanted to make something that I wanted to make. So I, ca- I think I just randomly messaged him. I was like, hey, can I make a song with you? And we made that reggae song. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? That was our first time working together. Which one was it? Yeah, that song is called Don't Hurt My Heart. Okay. Yeah. So it was just a total, like, uh, how do you say, random, yeah. random, like, collaboration. And then we made the song, we made an MV for it, we put it out, and uh, that was it. And then, like, maybe three years later, uh, I came to find him again because uh, I had just left my record company, and now, more than ever, I wanted to make something that represented me. So that's how my five song EP did Firelight Scorpio, or they lay out Ophelia step by step. And um, I just want to tell you, like that, that process or this, these five songs, they are really important to me. Like you, really like help me make my dream come true. That is beautiful, man. That is Because like it's very hard to find someone that you can collaborate with creatively, and like at that time, that was it was just like something that I really needed, like uh, from a creative side and like and it was a very magical two years maybe those five songs total it probably took about two years to make so that's what i want to talk to you about <laughs> now i want to reflect about <coughs> that process and how it was for you because for me like i have a lot of stories to tell yeah well it was right on time because during that time we were opening our new studio um and there's a lot of stuff that me and Chris, Chris was my partner in the studio during that time. When we were opening the place up, there was a lot of construction that we had to do and a lot of sanding, a lot of dirty work. Alex calls me, he says he wants to do that. And I said like, perfect time because we're just opening the place up. But it was, the place was still dirty. Mm -hmm. The first meeting that we had. Oh my God, <laughs> I remember. I remember. The first meeting that we had about this project there's a, there's Megabox, which is like 10 minutes from, from our studio, which is like a, a big shopping mall. I was like, oh, I'll see you Go there. See yeah. Megabox. It's totally different now, right? It's, People, yes. Back then, there was no there Megabox. There was nothing was, there. You wouldn't go there. There was nothing there. I, the place was huge. Now the place is packed. So we met up there. I met up with you and Aga. Really? Yes, Aggie oh was there sitting down with us. What was she doing there? She was just there. <laughs> she was just there. So we sat down. I we totally had forgot a coffee. about that. I was, I looked like a construction worker <laughs> because I literally just came from the build, the studio that we were. I mean, I was dusty. Mm -hmm. I was stinky, probably. Thank you for not saying anything. I mean, it was just dirty, right? But we just sat down. We started talking about, you know, the idea of the project. Um. He told me, I mean, basically the whole story of what he, what you wanted to do, you know, what was the main reason for you to, to do this album? Because by then, I mean, you, we started doing the album. You were still tied up with the with the company, but, but we wouldn't release until you, had something done, and that was the main idea. I had you send me demos yeah just send me whatever I, I forgot how many demos you sent me it was and a they lot were, and there were a lot of them right and i would sit down and, and I, you know he said like but, but they're not done i was like just send a bunch of stuff and let's work it out from there and uh from there i chose my favorite i was like well probably these songs we can work it out and um and that's how we started working you know the studio was done and uh 
one day I was like, all right, so let's just let's just sit down and just record a little demo mm -hmm. so we can record off of this. We did that. And uh, cute little fact, Ophelia, which is the song that actually made it at the end. The version that made it to the record was the demo one. Yeah, that is crazy. We tried everything right mm -hmm. after we tried to recreate it because it's a demo. Yeah. So basically, like the what you hear now, it's as I went in, he set all the mic, I played it once and that's it. That's the guitar track on it. And then I sang once and that's it. The first very version. Isn't the one now the abs out right now? Yeah, the absolute very first version because we recorded all the songs. The main idea that the way we were going to start was we're going to record a little bit of every song, right? With the guitar and the vocals. And then from there, we would cut and paste until we found that that was the the form of the song. And uh, we did that with all the other songs and we substituted the guitar. We substituted the vocals. We we did everything except for Ophelia, except for Ophelia. And we tried. We go like, all right, let's try it again. And then and I was like, yeah, but on the demo, it sounds like this. Why don't and we tried. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, we was like, you know what? Let's just keep the demo. And but, we recorded but it sounds like from a recording perspective, sounds really crazy. But like, I remember when we were there, it was just so obvious, like I would try to sing it again and it was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like, and like I would try to play it again. I just couldn't do it. So it was like, no, let's just keep it. Let's just keep it like this. Yeah. And it was a miracle because like we barely set anything up. It was just like one mic. Okay, play the guitar. Yeah. Oh, rough. Just play it. It was like, show me one time what the song is mm -hmm. like. And that was it. That's what's on the, the record yeah. that's out. And like, um, for me, that was really interesting because one, 180, like um, we had a song called um, Step by Step. Mm -hmm. And like that one, originally it was a very simple kind of funky song, but like we went all out on that one, right? Mm. It was, it, it, but it's one of the fun parts of, of trying new things. I do not like getting into projects that I know, that I already have a roadmap. I like projects to tell me what it's going to be I'm, i let them be whatever the, they want to be mm -hmm. and that was the, the that was the thing that happened with this project you know step by step ended up being a funky bluegrass song mm -hmm. yeah I know and we would come out with crazy ideas say like well this is funky this is awesome whatever and we would get this and we would chop and did this and then it's like why don't we add a fiddle yeah and then it's a crazy song and i don't know if anything has been done like that and I like that song a lot. So yeah, so we found a, an old friend from Peel Fresco, right? Orlando and Yanis. Yeah, Yanis. And uh, she plays violin, right? Yeah. And then she was playing violin on this track, and she made this kind of like very would have would have been a very urban and funky song, like uh, kind of discoy song almost. Yeah. Into this kind of like very bluesy, almost like Americana. Yeah. Like, like what I told you, because when I had that idea, I was like, should we add like a violin there? <laughs> and then Alex looks at me like, like a violin, like an orchestra. I was like, no, like, like violin, like stomping on the floor with beer and getting on top of a wooden table, kind of like Vikings kind of thing. Like that thing. I don't know. Willow. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever. It that was, was the vibe. It, it was, it was 
it was I was like I had to think about it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm very happy with it. Like it's one of those songs that um it's a studio song, I think. Yeah. Like live I don't think we would play it like that, but you would never hear what you hear now live. Yeah. Like so it's a very special song and I, I feel um out of um the five songs we made it's a little bit um uh, how do you say it? What's the word? <laughs> My English is so bad now. <laughs> um, uh, forgotten. Yeah. Like, uh, underappreciated. Yeah. Because, uh, like, we made other songs. But, like, that one is very special for me because, like, it was, like, um, we had... Um, uh, Candy and my mm -hmm. friend Thomas sing mm -hmm. harmony. There's a lot of harmonies on that song. Yeah. And, like, they, we would go there and they were doing some crazy screaming. Yeah. And stuff like that. And uh, it, it reminds me because in that time, it was a very special time actually because we, when we were recording that half year, a lot of things happened. Like I was uh, trying to do my own music and then my friend Thomas, he showed up like at the studio door yeah. like in a couple days because like he called me one night and he was like, Alex, I was just in a terrorist attack. And then, yeah. and I was like, oh my God. And he told me about what happened in the Bataclan because he was there yeah. during the Eagles at Death Metal concert, which was, and he, I remember he told me the story, what he saw in it with his eyes. Yeah. And like w w the, pic the, the pictures that he described were like, I don't know, it was really scary. And then like a couple days later, he was in Hong Kong. And like he, he had to go somewhere that he felt safe and he came here and then he came to find me and what I was doing at the time was so, it was so like perfect because like we were just in Studio B making music and like he spent the whole month, he played on a lot of tracks. He played on Firelight. I think he played on um, Scorpio maybe. Yeah, I think he did. And then like he was there with us and then step by step he was there and he was like screaming and uh, Candy yeah. was there was screaming. It was very fun. Like it, it, so like that that experience of making that record in my mind, that's like what I when I was a little kid and I loved music. I dreamed about like oh, this is what making an album is like. You're like with some people you like and you're just trying out really crazy ideas and um, it was really fun. It's it's beautiful. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, I mean, obviously, there's, as they say, there's a million ways of how, of, of how to skin a cat. Same way, there's a million ways of how to do a record. I have a favorite one, which is, you know, let's hang out. Because mm -hmm. I, I like this. You know, I like, I like trying new things and then go, you know what? Bro, that was a shitty idea. <laughs> and then laugh. But to try things, you know, like try things. Because those hidden gems, that's, that's where they're at. You know, would you say like working with Alec is very different from any other Canto song or even like singers around everywhere? A hundred percent. Because, you know, first of all, he had the guts of saying, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And that doesn't happen a lot, especially when you have. Um, how do I say this? Um, you have a, 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 a very straightforward road which is this is the kind of artist you are you're signed with a company and this is what we want you to do and that is awesome that is awesome right but he also had an itch of i also want to try this right and then that takes guts 
of saying, you know what, I'll do this, but I also want to try this. And then, you know, I, I came already into the production with a very receptive artist, which is awesome because, I mean, the album is what it is now, but there's a lot of crazy ideas that were thrown at the wall until we reached whatever it was. And he was open to those ideas. Sometimes, you know, artists, they give you a vibe of, um, let me hear your ideas, but it better be good, right? So you're not always going to hit it out of the park. You need to throw weird things out there until you get what, whatever you like. One of my favorite songs from that album is Ophelia. And if you listen to the whole album, um, that it's an easy song to overlook because it has less production. And, uh, and as soon as we recorded it, I told Alex, that song is the last song of the, because you don't go anywhere from there. That is, that is the end. And the ending was perfect, you know, and, and that song is what it is because we came out with crazy ideas. If you listen to the sounds and the sonics of that, of that particular song, it's weird. And the lyrics are sweet, but they're weird, right? So, so you sonically, you had to match that. And, um, I think we did it. I think we did it. I'm very happy with that song. And um, what uh, made you do the music video for that song? Because uh, again, you know, it's an easy song to overlook. Well, like for me, because I'm independent now, it's not like, um, like okay, we've made a song, and now we're gonna make an MV. Like as an independent creator, you don't have that luxury. Um, so what happens now is whatever is happening in my life. I have to try to um, tune that in to also serve my art. So like last year I went a couple, uh, maybe I forgot last year, last year, two years ago almost, I went to vacation in um, London. And just because I was there, I just thought, okay, this is, might be a good place to film this MV. Because Ophelia is Hamlet's girlfriend in Shakespeare's play Hamlet and um, I was gonna go visit my old boarding school and like my old boarding school just looks like out of a play from Shakespeare or something so like you have to think like that when you're when you're doing things independently you just have to be resourceful and you have to make use of what you have so we just did it all on phone like there was no camera no lighting no script just kind of you just oh, that go. was on a phone it was it on a amazing. phone yeah it looks amazing and you just have to like wing it you have to go and just like okay i think now you have to do this and now you have to do that of course also like we had a really good friend to help us edit and capture the best but um that's how it came and it, it happens very organically and i i want to say like very magically because like even though you don't plan it i don't think if i had the money i could have planned something like this And that makes me think that um, when you're doing creative stuff, like, you know, having all the money in the world does not mean you're going to get a good MV. Because sometimes you could plan for the best MV, but you're never going to, like, oh, I w you weren't going to be in London and filming at, a boarding, mm. at my boarding school. So I, I feel very lucky. Like, a lot of things came into place at the right time. Yeah, that's a pattern that I, I, I see a lot. And that's something I appreciate about Alex a lot is the, the, the art aspect of it. And the moment is now, right? So, 
you can find a million excuses of why you wouldn't do something. Oh, I'm here, but I don't have the right gear. I don't have this. I don't have this. It's about the art, right? And sometimes, you know, that's all you need. You might need an iPhone because that moment that you have there is not going to repeat yeah. itself. Actually, that's something I learned from you when we were recording those five songs. I remember um, we were doing, uh, I think, Scorpio, right? And, and you set up a really nice mic for my vocal. <laughs> and then and then uh, the mic was like not working. And then, then you were like, I need to change the mic. And you, I think you put like, I think you put this, right? You put a, <laughs> you put a, a 57. I use exactly this mic, an SM57. Exactly and, and, and that's the voice, like Alex's tone. It's that mic through a, it's a fancy preamp, which is a Neve. But it doesn't matter. It's the sound of this microphone, right? So basically, like if, if you don't know, this is a super cheap mic. Mm -hmm. It's like... <laughs> it's, a it's a 700 Hong Kong dollars mic. Less than 100 US. Like every every mic, every singer in Hong Kong songs that are coming out, they're, they're probably so like... so Like 3,000 US. But <laughs> so sometimes... So that's why I learned when I was recording with yeah. you. And I still remember that today. Like having the most expensive gear... Or the best thing is not always the best option. It, yeah, and, and but you know, th there's a there's a, a, a big mentality everywhere in the world. But it happens a lot in Hong Kong also that if you're an artist and you're paying for studio time, you better get the best gear, mm. right? So if I'm the engineer and you're paying me, I would feel bad if I'm gonna show up with that mic, <laughs> although I know. <laughs> But that's the mic that sounds good on your voice, right? So so what I would personally do, if it's somebody like that, I would set up two mics. I would set up the expensive one. You trick them. <laughs> you trick them. <laughs> and I would put up the, the cheap one down there. And then again, you know, the same thing happened with, with Ophelia's guitar, right? So that mic that we set up, it was a really cheap mic that I bought for like 1,500 Hong Kong dollars. So it's like... 200 us which is not really cheap 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 but it's a nice mic right so it's an se2200 and i just bought that mic because somebody was selling it cheap mm -hmm. and uh i discovered that that particular mic sounds amazing on acoustic guitars and every acoustic guitar that we did on this album was made through that mic and every oh. acoustic guitar that i've recorded ever since has been with that mic mm. and it's not a famous mic it's not a mic that you're gonna go like oh i record like you're not gonna brag about that i recorded with that mic but somehow it sounds good cool you gotta do what you gotta do and then um so i remember on this ep we were very lucky because um we got to work with a lot of like my friends like i had a lot of good friends who came to help uh for scorpio uh alan alan, alan poe uh, Mr. Allen, and then uh, he came to do a, like a vocal uh, production vocal and then uh, a power of love yeah we had Kiki yeah and um, I remember like recording <coughs> recording vocals with Kiki was the hardest <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna watch this it was the hardest experience <laughs> because um like you would finish a take and then we would both go kiki <laughs> <laughs> and then we would feel like it sounds good but 
Let's talk to the boss, Kiki. Because Kiki is like a really, really feel. She's really into like if she felt it or not. So when she's listening to take, she's kind of got her eyes closed and just like, is it touching me? Is it moving me? Is it changing my life? And pretty, pretty much, probably most of my takes like weren't changing her life. So, and then if it wasn't changing her life, basically it meant it wasn't a good take. Okay. So, so you, 真系好辛苦啊！录咗好多好多次。But you finally make one that actually moved her. Um. Oh, every every phrase that you hear there is approved by Kiki. <laughs> it was probably vocally the toughest song okay, to yeah. record, right? Uh, power, the Ardek layout. Yeah, because it was in Mandarin. Yeah. And uh, and then also Mandarin. So like for this song, like we made one Mandarin song, and I remember like bringing out the song when it wasn't totally finished and showing it to some people who uh, might have been in the music industry or whatever. And like uh, a lot of people, like they're like, yeah, I like it, but I feel like. It's not quite a Mandarin song or whatever, you know. It's it. Hold on. It's a different format, or it's not the same formula. So, I had to like go very, very deep. Like I had to like make a decision. Like this is something that is gonna represent me. So, I remember when we were making it. Like um, it was just like the creative process. Like this is probably something no one's ever heard of, and maybe a lot of people don't like. But this is something that we're gonna make. So then you just have to, who's he doing government? You just have to put all your money in. You have to be all in. And like, we, I went, we went all in on this song. And now, like, I'm so happy we did that because every time I go sing it live, I, I probably sing it live a lot better than when we record it because uh, I'm more familiar with the song and the and the and the words. But at the time, like it was probably you know not not so good. But 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 I'm so glad we went in all in because now when I sing it live, every time I sing it, people say, "Oh, I really like that song." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a different. It's a the whole vibe of the whole thing is is different. It's a little bit out there, and the crazy thing is that we didn't set up to to make that album sound like that. Like it just naturally went. With that vibe, and I'm not talking about just—I mean, obviously, you know, all the sonics in the whole album, but the vibe, what it feels like, what, because you know, you look at, at that bottle, it makes you feel something, right? Because it's—it's a work of art. So the same thing with the album, you know, it's—it's it's a work of art, and it, besides the way it sounds and the things that it says, it has to transport you to a particular space in your mind. And uh, when we finished. That we listen to the album, we go like, doesn't this album sounds very '90s to you? <laughs> and he goes like, yes, it does. And then we, I mean, we didn't set out to make a '90s sounding album, but it, but it does. And then, you know, we started kind of like comparing notes, like, oh, you know, like, because that's the kind of music that I grew up with. I'm, I mean, I was born in the '80s, but I'm a '90s kid. I'm a '90s kid from the time that I started. Experiencing music, you know, and that's that's it. So then, um, so like for example, Scorpio, like um, what Jordy was saying before, like we found out, like actually every song I brought, like uh, when you make a song, you always have like a song. It's like, what does this song sound like? Mm -hmm. 
or maybe like, oh, this kind of reminds me of the feeling I got from that song. Mm. So you have a reference track. And then the really weird thing was like, pretty much every reference track we had for the five songs was like the same. Yeah, that's true. So like Ophelia, we were like, like when I wrote it, I was like, oh, this really reminds me of, actually he was like, this really reminds me of a song by Elvis Costello yes. called Allison. And I was like, <laughs> That's the song that I was like referencing when <laughs> I wrote so the song. True. That is crazy. Yes. And then um, when I was, uh, we made Scorpio, it was like the reference track was like Bon Jovi and Smashing Pumpkins. Somewhere in the middle. In there. the middle. And it was like, oh. Yeah. And then, and then um, uh, when we made, uh, so then Scorpio, like we made it in English and we, we were doing it like kind of like that. The vocals were kind of like, Smashing Pumpkins y yeah. and and Bon Jovi like with the chorus kind of that kind of feel. Yeah. And then afterwards we after we was all done. It was all done. English was all done. And then we were like, actually this song kind of could be a, a Cantonese song. So that's when we I reached out. Like I was like, Oh, rock? Cantonese rock? Oh then you have and then you could only find Alan Pope. Ah yeah, wait. So, so then I knew him too so I reached out to him and that's how that song came and, and it was it was a challenge because the English vocals came out so well so well I mean it just fit perfectly it was so well done that it was a challenge for us to get the same mood and the same kind of thing for the for the Cantonese ones it's so nearly impossible yeah it's virtually impossible to do this to 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 do a different language because that's the thing i mean most of the things of producing music and things is just capturing moments mm -hmm. right so you're gonna throw the main idea would be to throw a lot of moments to the wall and see what sticks mm -hmm. what's nice right so you know when we create that first uh scorpio which was the english one those were the absolute best moments of all the shitty moments that we had and now let's do it again <laughs> but in cantonese right yeah, so it was fine. really hard actually i was re i was really frustrated with that session because like we made we already finished it and like it's really hard like as a singer to be like okay let me do it again to recreate it and and with a whole different lyrics because lyrics are so specific like every intonation every cadence ev every vowel is so different and i don't think i did it I, i'm not that happy with the cantonese version and i think when we were recording it with alan like he was also feeling it too because he was like he was like come on <laughs> just do it just yeah. do it but it, it was very challenging it was very challenging but it, it ended up being a very very powerful song that song, I mean, the English one, the, the whole song, I mean, even if you go listen to the Cantonese one or the, or the English one, it's a powerful song and it really moves you. That solo, it's amazing. I mean, Ethan, the, the guy that recorded the guitar, made a, a really cool job work with it. And, uh, you know, it's powerful. It, you, you can feel the power with it. And the Candy's vocals, I mean, come on. You know, it brought everything, everything else, you know, brought it to like a different level. And then we had this song called Firelight, 
that was like kind of similar like Ophelia it was just a very smooth song yeah and I remember how that came we were um, gonna play a gig at Orange Peel and then we found a drummer called Toby and we were rehearsing at his studio where we made all these songs Studio B and then we were jamming the songs and then Toby was like wait, wait, that's that riff you can tell that Toby's from Africa, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, do it like this, like, <laughs> you know? And Listen, then, if you call me to produce an album, you can rest assured that the person who's going to be recording those drums is going to be Toby. That dude is uh, a... Shout out to Toby. Monster! He played, Oh my God, Toby. He played every... Uh, he played drums on every song on the album. Uh, Firelight. Uh, step by step, Scorpio. That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are the only ones with acoustic drums in it. He's a monster, right? <sighs> I Beast I just love a drummer. I really love Toby. He, I mean, besides being an amazing drummer, he gives you ideas. Ah, uh, yeah. And he brings whatever idea you have. He will bring it a little bit, you know, over the, the edge. That's one thing. Second, he's so humble. And he's always willing to learn. And he's somebody nice to work with. And um, third, his tone. He has an amazing tone for, you know, uh, I mean, every, everything that we recorded, it has like limited editing because he just sounds so amazing. So I remember originally, like, it's really fun. The Like, this is an example of like what it means to work with people. Like, Firelight, originally when I wrote it, the riff, was it was different right it, it was something like this so it was like how was it something like that so toby was like he was like don't play those other notes just play something else he was like don't go up don't go up <laughs> and we were jamming and we we're like what do you mean don't go up he's like don't go up stay down stay down and we were like oh, okay so like eventually we got it and we were like and that's and that's how it, it became firelight right cool let's go to kill so you've been on tour now for how long i think it's gonna be f four years and a half oh my god but, the, but there was a year gap uh, in the middle okay with the same person or with different this is with the same person okay, so you've yes. been on tour with coco lee with for coco four lee years for four she's years. been on tour for so it's like a never-ending tour well it's two different tours oh, with okay. the same artist right so we did we did first one was almost two years mm -hmm. and that was uh that was the first tour I did with her. And then we took about a year or so off. And then we're right now in the second one. So if you take all that time into account, it would be like... How, how frequent are the shows? We usually, usually go, you know, two, three times a month. Okay. Um, but, but then we would take like a month break. And right. so it's perfect because I don't leave my things here. You know, if I can still do a, a recording project, I can play with another band, whatever. Because I can plan ahead because I know when I'm going to be mm -hmm. leaving and stuff. 
Um, now we just got back from U.S. We, you know, we were doing uh, Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, and we did the Sweet. U.S. Uh, the U.S. Is uh, the the, U we did Vegas. Is the U.S. the best country to tour in? Um, it was amazing. It was amazing for me because it was the first time that I played those big places in the U.S. Um, and it was really good for me because I grew up there. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful for me to bring my family to watch the show. Oh, that's right? cool. So I, I, I was really happy to bring my, my aunt. Um, my aunt particularly was very special. because The one that bought you the bass? She bought me mm. my first bass. Oh, right? wow. So it was beautiful cool. for me to bring her there, get her first row seats, at the MGM Grand Arena. Oh man, she must be Vegas. so proud. She was like, "Oh my I God. bought that boy his yes. first face. Yes. But then again, you, I'm not saying when she bought it, she was like, I knew it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying she believed in me a little. She was like, well, maybe. That's all it takes. That's that one little bit. <laughs> maybe he'll shut up if I get him a base. Maybe. But for the, even for that little thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to be forever grateful. Mm -hmm. You know, I brought my stepmom. I brought my dad. My dad was freaking crying during the show. Oh, really? <laughs> it was beautiful, you know. So for me, U.S. was oh, very wow. special because of that. Um, you know, That's when cool. I was little, I used to see these places. And, um, man, walking through the through the to the backstage and the halls, mm -hmm. and you see all the amazing artists that play oh, there. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm there. You know, it's it it felt amazing, and you know, every time before every show, I I I make a thing about taking a moment for myself to just say thanks, and just to ask life or whatever you live believe in, just to ask them not to ever let you take that thing for granted, because it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. You traveling the world doing the things that you love with people that you like and you're getting paid for it you know and i don't ever want to get used to it i i always want to feel like oh my god i'm here right even though you know i've been at it for you a while. still feel it right yes. I mean, you've been two on four years for four years how does it feel for every show now it's like compared to the first first one you must be oh my god now it's my first time uh i'm not sure if you're <clears> nervous but i feel like you'll be a little bit nervous maybe but for now, after four years, yeah. 50 shows, 60 shows, I don't know how many. So where have you guys been in four years? Yeah. Oof. America, we've, we've China, been, everywhere, right? Yeah, we've been all over China. Uh, Wuhan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my now? God. Is <laughs> <laughs> it 14 days ago? If it's not, uh, mask, please. Okay. <laughs> no, we've been all over China. We, we did, um, I mean, Southeast Asia, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan. Um, wow. We have dates in Australia, but like we don't know when yet. So how um, did you get this gig with Coco? Oh, uh, again, you know, like I had already played tours before. I played with Wieners. I played mm -hmm. with Maria Cordero before. Sandy Lamb. Sandy. I did tour with Sandy. Um, but they were shorter. They were like one-off things. And um, uh, with Coco, it happened that you know in this in this kind of business you cannot put all your eggs in one basket um i'm a bass player but i know how to play percussion also and happened to be that in that first tour coco lee needed a percussionist and uh pff, i jumped in it right away you know and again it was through because her first percussionist was chris polanco <laughs> also right oh, so 
did Chris introduce you to this? Yes. Uh, Again, you know, it's okay. it's little things, you know, yeah. things, people that believe in you mm-hmm. a little, mm-hmm. you know, and again, I don't know if Chris knew that that was going to happen, but he believed in me enough mm-hmm. to put me there. I'm forever going to be grateful. Yeah. And I did that whole first tour, you know, and then this second tour, then I'm back to my own thing, which is so I'm it's kind of like a family unit, huh? These tours, like, because they're you guys are so long, like four years, like it's about you get along with the yes. the people, yes, and get along with the artists. Um, it was this particular second tour was really cool because, um, not everybody that did the first tour is doing the second one. There's three or four members of the band that are in the second one. Everybody else is different. Uh-huh. Um, and it was really beautiful because uh, in this particular tour, Coco chose every single musician. How so many musicians are there in the band? We're 10. 10. Is that a big or a small band? Uh, it's, it's big. big it's enough. big, right? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you have like three backup vocals, mm-hmm. two guitars, bass player, two keyboards, drum, percussion you know it's it's so it's, now like when you guys tour like you, for four years like all the songs like do you know them like by heart yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean obviously there there, there might be a Variations change a little, little bit. bit and in depending on the tour whatever coco feels like mm-hmm. she, she goes like on, on this tour eh, i didn't like you know this key maybe let's go a little bit higher or maybe I, that song is too long let's cor- short it off yeah or maybe let's make it longer so she had a this. lot of opinions mm-hmm. in about how she would perform it she is hands-on mm. and that doesn't happen with a lot of musicians right. she knows exactly what she wants and you better remember right <laughs> so she had high standards <laughs> she has <laughs> amazing standards, which makes it better it? you know like it yeah. makes you feel right. good when she goes like okay on bass i want jordy uh. on percussion i want chris you know yeah like like she knows exactly what she wants because mm-hmm. she knows what everybody so how many songs take. are you guys performing uh, on average every night on, the, on an average show it depends tour. you know like for example the longest show we've played uh was the first the f- the opening tour which it was in taiwan mm-hmm. the show sold out a whole arena in a minute mm-hmm. i mean that's crazy it's ridiculous she sold out that thing in a minute and um that was a long show it was like a three hour or so show songs i don't know 40 something songs oh wow it was a lot of songs songs. but then you know whenever that was the first show whenever we went to china then the show gets a little shorter still long yeah but it might be a two hour and a half show Mm -hmm. yeah u.s they're short they're short right hour and 30 minutes minutes, yeah exactly that's it so you know it it depends on where the show is going to be because the 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 people the 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 public the crowd requires a different kind of um Mm. How is how she uh, in backstage or like not? It, on yeah, stage. is yeah. she like it sounds it sounds douchey because I'm going to say it because I'm working with her. <laughs> but she's amazing. I've mm-hmm. never seen her being an asshole to anybody. She's like a top class. She gets on stage. Hi, guys. Whenever we're doing sound check, she comes and she gives a hug to every single person working there. I've sweet. never seen her in a bad mood. She mm-hmm. can be focused. She can be, you know, whatever. And she can be strict, but she's always really, really, really. Have nice. you encountered her strictness? Yeah. Have you been in trouble? Ha- okay. I haven't been in trouble. <laughs> so well, what? Been it, a good boy. No? <laughs> I've been what, a great boy. What happened? What happened? <laughs> Did she say something to you? One no, time? no, no. I mean, strict in the sense that 
that maybe I would do something that she would go like, mm, I like the other thing that you did better. Mm -hmm. And then I would do that. Yeah. But then if I, if next rehearsal, I don't go back to that, she would remember. She goes like, mm, what about that thing that I told you? I was like, all right. Wow. And then, so she re she's very hands-on. She produces her own stuff. Um, the same thing, that, the, the same way that she deals with the, with the band, the same way that she would deal with the dancers and the graphics in the back and the pyros and the whole, she's hands-on with everything. And um, it doesn't happen a lot with a lot of artists because sometimes artists, they have their own people that do that. Mm -hmm. They just go there, perform their songs, and that's it. She is 100% hands-on deck. Mm. Cool. So can you tell us about touring life? Because like, I think a lot of people don't really know what, what it means to be on the ins and outs of tour. Like, mm. Run us through like what, what, what a, a touring schedule might be like. Okay. Let's say we are going to Singapore, right? So, okay. so um, where did you guys go to last? Okay, last place we were was Vegas. Okay, tell us about okay. that trip. Okay, so Vegas, we arrived. Well, I arrived there later because I went to spend time with my family. Mm -hmm. I went to spend Christmas with my family, and then I flew there later. Um, but usually, we, the show would be a Saturday. We would arrive a Thursday. We don't do anything but check in and travel the first day. Second day, Friday, we would have sound check. And then that second day would be... So when you go to the first sound check, you already have to have, like, if, you're an, if you haven't been with this tour, you have to have all the songs down. Oh, yes. There's no rehearsal before. No. Okay. No, you raise... Because that sound check is dress rehearsal. It's... You're sound checking in the venue. We sound check at the venue. Which venue did you guys play at? Uh, in Vegas was the MGM Grand Arena. Oh, that's a big one, right? Yeah, it was. It's 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 big. Yeah. So where are you staying? We stayed at the MGM Grand. Oh, <laughs> you got a big Although room? Chinese hotels are far better. Ooh, that's true now, right? Far better. Wait, oh my did, god! Okay, you did this show in Beijing for sure, right? So where did you stay in Beijing? Yeah, uh, I, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot, but you usually, we usually stay at an amazing hotel, so they treat us really well, um, which is amazing. You know, like I've managed because of that, I've managed to see the absolute best, best. part of China, mm. and you know, and, and you know, people have been amazing to us there. I I do like the food. I like the camaraderie with the mm -hmm. with the with the, the members of the band. Because although we play the shows together, <laughs> the Very camaraderie. Great. Although we play the shows together we most of the time just hang out right so he's just what you doing come to my room or let's let's go have dinner or whatever there's always one of the guys that know where's the best restaurant at that mm -hmm. city yeah. and it's that part of it is absolutely beautiful so you're in a room at the mgm it's like yeah. a proper suite yeah very nice yeah. so you go to the first sound check okay so fridays we do through. we do the actual sound check which is a run through the actual concert we play we literally play the whole concert, whole concert. From top to bottom, uh, not, be not because we don't know the songs, but it's because they need to sync yeah. pyros. They, they need to sync the, the... Who's your band leader? Terry Chan. Ah. Amazing dude. He's really nice, He's right? so funny. He's so chilled. And he's an amazing, an amazing, an amazing music director and musician. Um, he also plays bass. 
Oh, does he? Which, uh, hey, little pressure, you know, like, <laughs> I'm there, Larry also plays bass, but, but on, the, on, the, on the tour, he's the keyboard player. Okay. Uh, so, does he say anything about your bass playing? Like, um, because, like, Chinese music maybe has its, like, own style. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he would say things about a particular thing that Coco might want, uh. you know, and then, or this is the groove, or, you know, when we get the charts, if it's a particular groove, I have all written down. Mm. So I know that's what I'm playing. Um, so I, you would know where to, you know, or he would have a comment. He would say like, because again, you know, these guys are snipers. Sometimes you get on stage for dress rehearsal and yeah. you have a new score yeah, yeah. that you of a song that you have yeah. never seen. And then he would go, all right, so this yeah. is a new song that Coco wants to try. Let me know if you guys have a question. And then everybody's just like this. No, no, no questions. Wait, okay, then we go. Can you elaborate a little bit like what it means? Like how good these guys are? These like session players? Bro, Cause, like, bro. Oh my God. Like, okay, for example, if I got a new score in a show, first of all, I'd be like, shit, I can't read music. <laughs> Second of all, I'd be like, wait a minute, this isn't what time signature? <laughs> and then like third, I'd be like, what? There's what pickup here? Yeah, that's yes. not a singer. Like, so like, <laughs> well, well, singers also have to know this too, like yes. good singers. Man, the, the, the backup singers, they have a really mm. weird way of writing that thing down. With numbers, right? They explain it to me a hundred times. I don't get it. But it's it's amazing. Can, so can you like explain like what it actually means, like the level of playing musicianship that these guys are on? It's very very intimidating. Um, I remember my very first rehearsal. Um, this time was I was it was when my my very first big show. It was with winners. Ah. Right. Wanna. Wanna. Yeah. <clears throat> and. Um, I remember me. Those they're really good singers, though. Yes. They're on yeah, top, it was, right? It was a show. It was an amazing show, um, and it was it was gonna be my first big show. I had all my scores and the whole thing, and uh, I learned my things, and you know. And then it was, it was the first day of rehearsals. I'm on my way. I'm on the taxi, and I am reconsidering every decision that I've ever took in my life. <laughs> what the hell? Who the hell do you think you are? uh who, who do you think what do you think you're doing like all these things like all these doubts that is just that little demon talking just right here like you're not good enough who do you think you are all these weird things he's just talking there right and i still showed up i did the, i did the thing it was amazing right so you feel better when you know let's just get the first song out of the way just so i feel like i can do it it was like that we did the whole show and this is the thing like these musicians are like I said before, they are snipers. It's people that you just put a, a sheet there and they are going to make it sound amazing and they're going to make it sound good on the first take. Right? First take, every take, right? Most of the time, yeah. Every, Perfect Everything time. else might be like little details, but you're not, you're not going to get here to learn songs. Like you can put a new sheet of music <clears throat> in front of Terry, right? Yeah. First take, perfect time, perfect expression, good terry terry is an asshole i'm gonna tell you why because terry would would lure you into a false sense of security terry would sit down and, and see the score and he goes like oh my god i don't even remember this song how does it go so he's trying to make you feel good about feel yeah good. yeah exactly so so whenever you're coming into this territory the best thing that you could hope for is to 
at least not be the one that is going to hold the rehearsal back, right? Oh, man. Especially me. I did not have a music education like these guys had. You know, for, yeah. me, for me, it was street. I learned how to read music on my own. You know, on my on my side. So, you know, all these things, I just don't want to be the guy holding rehearsal. And then, you know, you learn from them. Um, I remember, you know, some, I, I catch myself, you know, sometimes admiring. So who do you admire the moments. most in that band? Who's everybody, like the top? Because everybody's doing a separate kind of job. Everyone's top musician. Everybody's a top musician. Oh, you know, sometimes I, I, I sit there and I'm playing the show. And I just, you know, I look left and there's, the, oh my, yeah. Like I remember you from before when I used to not do this. And I remember you playing there and you were the guy that I was looking up to. And now I am playing with you, although I'm doing the show. So when you're doing these like four, three hour shows, like it's pretty much like there's no mistakes, right? No. There's probably like one or two mistakes. Yeah, but it would be they would be so insignificant that you wouldn't notice. That's crazy. Yeah, but then again, you know that's why the the artists or the company or whatever that's why they invest so much time in rehearsals mm. for that first in this particular tour for the, before that first show in Taiwan, we rehearsed and countable hours. It was, I mean, it was beyond, beyond. But that means that by the time we get on stage, that show has to be perfect. Well, that was a big show, right? And that was a big show, particularly for Coco, because, you know, she, Taiwan is, that's her city. She owns that place. And, um, you know, that particular show had to be special. And it was special for her. Okay, so going back. So Friday night, you finish the dress rehearsal yeah right now we finished dress so rehearsal afterwards it's free time it's dinner it's drink and we would not get wasted because we have a show not next yet, day right not yet so but it's it's dinner and <laughs> drinks on the house right no we yes yes exactly i mean we would go out and find a nice together. place to it and we would all go together uh-huh eat some good food eat some amazing food which is, is my there, favorite thing to is do is there any them. fun like you know social activities go to a show go to a club any like yeah like we that? would do like for okay for example when we went when we finished playing the mohegan sun show in connecticut uh before the next show i went to visit my family so that but the rest of the band went directly to vegas mm -hmm. i get a message at 5 a.m in the morning Terry? <laughs> was no. it Terry? <laughs> <laughs> no. Coco. Uh, she says, Jordy, where are you? I found a karaoke place here at the MGM. Come down from the room. Let's go sing karaoke. And I'm like, I'm not in Vegas. Like I said, I'm not in Vegas. And by the way, do you know you're playing the the MGM Grand Arena tomorrow. <laughs> like, what are you doing singing karaoke? But then again, you know, is the is the camaraderie, is the is the love? Because most of the time you're spending this time with people just hanging out, mm. you know, and you know you have to like the people that you're working with. Right. Okay, so after Coco sings karaoke <laughs> at 5 a.m., she sleeps. <laughs> she wakes up Saturday. So you guys are on show. Yeah. So you will go to the venue around the afternoon. Okay. So on Saturday we would have like a call, a call time. Let's say 3 p.m. 
on at the lobby and everybody would meet up at the lobby then they would take us to the venue we would do the final sound check but it's not a rundown we just play a couple of songs everything sounds good and then we would just chill until showtime which is usually 7 p.m or 8 p.m um 9 p.m depending on, on the on the city um and then it's just the showtime and you know the first shows you you are nervous Oh, you, you feel play multiple shows? No, the, the I mean the first shows of the tour. Ah, uh, okay. So you are nervous because you still you're still getting acquainted with the songs. Mm-hmm. But at some point during the tour, then you know that, right? So now you can just play and hey, see the dancers. Just look at the dancers, enjoy the show. I'm playing the show and now I enjoy the dancers, and I notice things that I didn't notice on other shows, right? Because now I am enjoying the show. Um, you know, you get to see the things that Coco does. Mm. She, you know, the way she gets ready, the way she just... What was the craziest thing you've seen that, like, she's done or, like, that happened during a show? Coco fell on a show. Oh, really? Yeah. Like We, a big fall? It was it was gnarly. Oh, no. <laughs> But it was... She's a professional. I mean, she... I was I wasn't even looking because I was reading something at that moment. And I reading <laughs> something? <laughs> I mean, I was reading the music, but but then I I heard, I just heard the mic drop like <laughs> like that, you know, like when it, the when the mic hits the ground, and then I don't hear Coco anymore, yeah. and then I look, and she fell, she, but it was it was crazy because the the stage has so many. Moving parts, right? Moving parts. And this particular one was where the mic would come out from, like mm-hmm. the mic stand. And it's a little square like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mic would come out. Yeah. And that thing was, for some reason, it was down and it was not supposed to be down. Oh, no. And Coco just fell. Oh, like no. one of her legs fell through. Oh. And uh, she had a, a big gash in her leg and blood and the whole thing. Blood? Yes. And she, she actually just... had to get stitches, I think. So, so right after that happened, just straight to hospital. No, no, the show went on, right? No. The show went on. Coco is a beast. <laughs> Coco did that show like nothing happened. She started laughing. She goes like, ah, whatever. So the audience saw it. Everybody saw, saw it. Right? She was like, I think even the first eighters. Just, just blood. Her. Yeah, they just gave her something. They put, I think they put, put a, a little on it, bandaid or something. Just, mm. And she did, uh, she, after the show, she did go straight to the hospital. Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It's amazing the things that you see. I mean, the the, the love of the fans, yeah. um, people that, I mean, I'm not Coco, but people know my name. Like they would, you know, like <laughs> the bass player. Yeah, it's beautiful, you know, and you know, like it's it's nice. It's nice. It's a it's a very nice experience. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Is it like your favorite part of your career, going on tours or making music? Like, how would you choose? Mm, that's a tricky one. Um, I do like, I love going on tour, um, but again, it's just more, mostly because of the hang. I like the people that I'm working with, and I just get to hang with them more, so I'm, I'm cool with that. Touring is, so it's basically touring is just going to really cool places around the world yeah. with people that you like, at the best, li- at the best, best yeah, and hopefully you like, Yeah, yeah. right? Like, and for example, like, whenever we were going to the U.S., uh, The drummer Paget was an, oh, Paget. an amazing drummer. Um, the first thing that we did when we sat on the plane on the way to the U.S. was to see how far we were sitting 
to know if our Nintendo Switch will still link. We'll still link so we oh, can oh, play yeah. during the whole oh, thing, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's this weird kind of like childish hangs that we do, right? But yeah. it's 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 worth it, right? So yeah. I do love doing that, but then again, I love being alone in the right. studio producing music. Right. I love the just equally that. good equally yeah it's just different things mm. and it's a way of refreshing the palette mm -hmm. um me sitting down in the studio refreshes my palette from playing music mm -hmm. and then when i get back to music it's fresh again right. and whenever i'm playing music it refreshes my palette from producing music mm -hmm. so it would be you know a different kind of thing yeah it's a good balance man it is it is Good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for myself too. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you bring on like entourage? Yeah, let, yeah. <laughs> like, I would Dude, not let, mind let, let, Co MGM. let Coco know. <laughs> I can't I can make a five to go karaoke. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, be standby. I'm standing by. <laughs> I'll, I'll sing. I'll, I'll, I'll sing. The hell are you talking about? You're on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> this gentleman right here is walking around like this on a bus. <laughs> you climb things with a wheelchair under you. Uh, <laughs> You're a dude. Come on, man. Yeah, thanks to thanks to green screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, green screen. <laughs> thank you, green screen. <laughs> All right, man. Cheers to that. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having thank me. You. Thank you, guys, for having me. Cheers. What do I say? <laughs> Yes, this is Jordy, and this is. Oh, hold on, <laughs> I had too much sake. With whiskey. This is always the hardest part. Okay. It's the hardest part. Yeah. Looking into the camera and saying that one <laughs> percent. You can do a four-hour concert, but this two. But this thing, this is the hard tricky. thing. Yeah. But this is the thing. You are watching. Bloop bloop bloop. <laughs> Remember to subscribe to Fish Tank, and this is Jordy. Okay, I don't know, does that work? It's good. It works. Okay, yeah. okay. Nice. Perfect. Okay.